Cripps, and uh, I'm here with my wife, Adriana, right here on the second row, and then our girls, Julianne and Brooklyn. Uh, they're in the back wrecking havoc somewhere, and uh, it is an honor to be here. We've been looking forward to this meeting uh, for a long time. So your pastor uh, was one of my college teachers whenever I was in college, so we love, we love the Keeleys. And uh, then Chris is around here somewhere, Chris Ortiz. Uh, we went to school together and we worked together. Uh, so, so we've been looking forward to being with you all uh, for quite some time. And it's an honor to be here. This is my first time in South Florida. And uh, so it's great to be here in Pembroke Pines. Now, I do have a question. Uh, can anybody tell me, does anybody know, is Pembroke something special or something unique? Like what is a, pem what is a, pem what is a Pembroke? Does anybody know what a Pembroke is? I don't know. I've just seen it everywhere. I saw I passed like a Pembroke Road and then a Pines Boulevard. So I thought, you know, the people here, they love, uh, they love the name. So Pembroke Pines. So if there's a broke road around here, I think I, they, you can send me over to that one. So I identify with that one. Ah, the Pembroke Pines. That's great. That's great. So it makes, it makes a lot of sense to Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mm, got him. So, uh, does everybody have the notes uh, or the like a, a handout for for notes? Okay. So, uh, great. So, Mark chapter number eleven this morning. So, and I had I I had a PowerPoint for my for my message, but then I got a new phone. So my PowerPoint was actually on my old phone. So we don't have a PowerPoint today, unfortunately. Uh, Mark chapter number 11, and let's go ahead and start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. They went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll dive into God's word this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here together to worship you uh, and to be in your house. And Lord, I pray that you be with us this morning and in the main service as we, as we worship you. We pray that you be honored and glorified by everything that is said and done. Uh, I pray that you be with this time right now here in Sunday School as we study your word. Father, I pray that you be with me as I teach. I pray that you give me wisdom. I pray that you fill me with your spirit. Help me to say only what you want me to and help me to say nothing else. Lord, I pray that you be with every single person who's in here this morning. Uh, I pray that they will be blessed by what they receive from you. I pray that we be convicted of sin. And Lord, I pray that as a result of what we study in your word today, I ask that we would become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that it would be something that we get something practical that we can take home with us 
today. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I read in scripture, I love reading about the miracles in the Bible. There's, there's lots of great ones. And I think that if we we're going to go around the room, and uh, we don't really have time for everybody to answer, but if we we're going to go around the room, I think we could all share uh, a favorite miracle. Uh, one of mine, I read this one recently, one of my favorites uh, is, I was reading, I think it's in Mark chapter number 7, and uh, there, was a, there was a deaf man that came to Jesus, and when this deaf person came to Jesus, uh, I'm sure Jesus had, Jesus had done lots of miracles by this point, uh, but Jesus, he, he, the Bible says that he, he took his fingers and put it in the man's ear, uh, and then he, then he like spit on it, uh, and then he, then he touched his tongue. Uh, so he put his fingers in his ear, he spit on it, and then he touched the man's tongue. So I think Jesus just like got bored one day and decided to give the man a reverse wet willy as he healed him. So that's, that's one of my favorites that I read. So, but I was just wondering, we're going to open it up a little bit for Sunday school, but does anyone here have a favorite miracle? So it's, it's your favorite miracle to read about. The fact that I'm here. Amen. Amen. So that's great. Uh, anybody have a favorite miracle? So I won't open it up. I, I won't take forever. Yes, sir. Oh, that one's great. The man who was born blind. You're talking about the one where they talked about, is, did this, is he blind because he sinned? Or is he blind because, uh, because his parents sinned? And Jesus said, hey, this, this didn't happen because of sin. This happened so that God would get glory. Uh, so that's an amazing thing when God does miracles so that he gets glory. Yes, sir. Oh, that one, is, that one is a great one too. Well, when the woman, she had had an infirmity for 12 years. And she had the faith that even during the midst of Jesus' busyness, she had the faith that if I could just touch uh, the hem of his garment, uh, then, then I'll be healed. And that kind of faith is just astounding to me. Yes, ma'am. Ooh, when he raised Lazarus from the dead. That one is great, too. Here, something that I, that I learned recently about that one is just, it's amazing because Jesus, he had the power to raise from the dead, but then he told, uh, he told some people to go roll away the stone. So he had people do what they could do, but then Jesus did what only he could do. Uh, and it's a, isn't it an amazing thing that he involves us in what he is doing? We're going to talk actually a little bit about that today. Anybody else have a favorite miracle? Yes, sir. I love that one. I love that one. I was actually just studying that because, so we're going to be starting the New Life Baptist Church in downtown Houston, Texas. And uh, in in very soon, and actually, that's I think the fifth or sixth message that I'm going to be preaching is that one. That one's, that one is wonderful. That's a wonderful. One. Yes, sir, brother Wally. Uh, the, I think it was the Roman centurion who had a, a servant who was sick to death, and sent somebody to Jesus, and he said, "I'm not worthy to come see you. I'm not worthy to come yeah. out of my house. Just say the word, and he'll be healed." That one is, yeah, that one is great. That's actually one of the first times whenever I really started taking God's word seriously and my relationship with God seriously, whenever I was a teenager, I read that one. And it was amazing to me because it was like, I read God's word for myself and just that, that, that idea of this man's faith, that Jesus marveled at it, God spoke to my heart in a way that just was unreal for me as a teenager. I love that miracle. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, that's, that it, that's an amazing miracle. So I love that one. I love that one too. Yes, ma'am? When he broke the man's back and he went to the tomb. Oh, yes. 
So I bet that wasn't very good bacon that day. So yeah, that, that one is a, that one's a great miracle. That's a great miracle. What, last one? Yes, uh, that one, that one is just, that's amazing. So honestly, I feel like right now in my life, I feel like I'm in that moment where I'm just kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, and I, we're just asking God to come through for us. That, that one is just, that's an amazing miracle that people could walk across on dry ground because of the power of God. Uh, this morning in Mark chapter number 11, I'm going to share with you one of my favorite miracles in all of the Bible. And the reason why this miracle that we're going to talk about today is one of my favorites is not because it is necessarily as astounding as some of the miracles that we've talked about in the room. Uh, all of those miracles, they're just incredible. But uh, the fact is today is we're not really, maybe, it, maybe it's our faith, but uh, we're not really expecting uh, for God to feed the entire room with a cracker today. Uh, there's nobody expecting to go walk across, go walk out into the Atlantic and walk out there on dry ground. Uh, nobody's expecting, hey, maybe we should give this a try. Chris, Chris isn't in here. So, uh, but nobody's expecting for like Jonah and the whale. Nobody's expecting to go out into the Atlantic and, hey, let's throw somebody in the water and expect a whale to swallow somebody up and three days later spit them out on the beach. We're not expecting those kinds of miracles. Uh, but today in Mark chapter number 11, I love this miracle, not because of its just because of its extraordinariness, but because of its because of how ordinary this miracle is. You see, this miracle, it's not one of the miracles that you'd look at and just say, oh my goodness, this is an amazing miracle. I can't believe that this happened. This is a miracle that I believe is probably the most reproducible miracle in all of scripture. It is the miracle of what God does through obedience. It's the miracle of what God does through obedience. So go ahead and follow along with me. We're going to be in Mark chapter number 11 for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, so follow along with me as we go through this, uh, through each verse. First of all, we're going to notice how God orchestrates this miracle. In verse number one, the Bible says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. So Jesus is about to orchestrate a miracle here in Mark chapter number 11. Jesus is ending, the la he's starting the last week of his public ministry. Uh, in one week, Jesus is about to go to the cross to die, to suffer and bleed and die, to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. Uh, Jesus is on his way. He's marching towards Jerusalem. And by the end of this passage, Jesus will be going to Jerusalem, uh, being hailed as king, and uh, he is going to go through the last week of his life. Here in verse number one, Jesus is about to do something miraculous. For one, Jesus is about to fulfill prophecy. In Zechariah chapter number nine, the Bible says that Jesus, that the Messiah would come riding into Jerusalem on a colt, and Jesus is about to fulfill this prophecy. Uh, Jesus uh, is about to fulfill the prophecy of Daniel, the, the 69th week of Daniel. It's happening right here in this moment. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. Uh, Jesus is doing amazing things because he is for a moment going to be recognized as Israel's king. And we know that someday he will be recognized by everyone as king. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus is doing these miracles. But we notice here in verse number one that Jesus goes into some little towns, into the little town of Bethany. And he gives his disciples a command, and really this is pretty miraculous what is going to happen here. So first I notice how Jesus orchestrates this miracle. First of all, I notice that when Jesus orchestrates a miracle, he orchestrates the miracle through his people. Through his people. In verse number one it says that when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. 
Now, we know in, G in Jesus' public ministry that Jesus had the 12 disciples, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Nathaniel, Bartholomew. He had uh, Philip. He had his 12 disciples. But we also know that Jesus had lots of other disciples. He had uh, people like Mary Magdalene who followed him. Jesus had uh, lots of disciples who were unnamed. And here in verse number one, Jesus is about to do a miracle, but he's going to do it through some people. And in verse number one, it tells us that he calls two disciples. But I notice that it doesn't tell us who these disciples are. Were these disciples Peter and James? Uh, was, was one of these disciples Andrew that he was going to call? Uh, the fact is, is we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. And uh, the reason why I believe it doesn't matter, that, that the reason why he doesn't tell us is because it really doesn't matter who their names were. It doesn't matter if they were a big disciple, quote-unquote, like Peter. It didn't matter if it was someone who, we had never, who we've never met in Scripture. The fact is, is that Jesus is going to do a miracle, and he's using his people to do it. And if I could tell you this this morning, that uh, before I walked into this auditorium, you had no idea who I was. You, did, you wouldn't know the name David Cripson. The fact is, is that after we leave today, probably many, some of you probably won't remember me. Uh, the fact is, is that probably with a room this size, I won't get to meet every single one of you by the end of today. But it doesn't matter if you know my name, and it doesn't matter if I know your name. The fact is, here's what matters. Are you a disciple? Are you a follower? Are you being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? And the fact is, is it doesn't matter if we're, if we're famous or if we're not famous. It doesn't matter if God's using us in big ways or in little ways. All that matters is that we are following the Lord Jesus Christ and that we are being obedient to him. So Jesus calls and he uses some unnamed disciples here. But I also notice that when Jesus orchestrates a miracle, he orchestrates his, this miracle through his omniscience. Through his omniscience. Omniscience simply means that Jesus knows everything. Omniscience means no, no, all-knowing. And Jesus orchestrates this miracle through his omniscience. Let's see how he does that. In verse number 2 it says, And he saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as he be entered into it, Ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. So Jesus calls these two unnamed disciples and he says, Hey, I want you to go into the next town. When you go into the next town, you're going to see that there's a little road off to the side. I want you to go down that road, and you're going to come to an intersection where there's a house. And when you go to that house, you're going to see a colt. And this is going to be a young colt. This is going to be a colt that is obviously uh, not trained. And I want you to go get him, and I want you to bring him to me. And whenever you bring him to me, whenever you grab that colt, there's going to be some people there that are going to say, hey, what are you doing with the colts? Why are you grabbing him? Now, let me just put that in modern-day terms for just a moment. Uh, if people normally when they got around, they usually got around by foot. If they didn't, they would get around on, on horses or colts or donkeys. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to go find this colt at this house and bring him to me. Let me put this in modern day vernacular, if we can put it this way. Jesus was saying, hey, I want you to go find somebody's car and bring it to me. Now, let me just tell you today that uh, I have, God gave us pretty miraculously, and I really don't have time to tell the story today of how we got our car but we, we miraculously, a couple weeks ago, got a newer car. We got it on a Saturday, and on Monday, a pastor called me and said hey, he knew someone who wanted to pay our car payments while we're on deputation. It was an amazing miracle that I wish I could tell, have the time to tell you the whole story, but it's just an amazing thing. I love that car. It's, it's the nicest car that I've ever had. Uh, I, it is amazing. Now, if we were going to end church today and we're all going out into the parking lot, we're ready to go eat uh, lunch. I just learned, let me tell you, Latin America. So I just learned about Latin America. It is an amazing Cuban 
Cuban sandwich place. Uh, so we're, we gotta, we gotta try that at some point. Uh, so, but, uh, so we're all going to lunch today and uh, we go out and I walk out to my car and I see one of you. Uh, let's say I, I see Brother Wally up here. Uh, he is, he's in the driver's seat of my car, uh, my Ford Explorer, and there he is. And uh, he, he started the car. Hey, guess what? Brother Wally and I, we're gonna have words. I'm gonna say, hey, hey, what do you think you're doing with my ride? What are you doing with my car? And then if he says to me, if he says to me, hey, well, the Lord wants me to have your car. The Lord wants me to have your car. Guess what? We're going to have a problem. We're going to have a problem. Uh, So it it just won't be good. And Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, go to this next town. Go get this donkey. And whenever people question you about taking the donkey, just say, the Lord needs him. And then they'll say, okay, take him. him. Let him go. You can have my, you can have my colt. Hey, Jesus is telling the disciples, he's telling his disciples everything that is about to happen because he knows exactly what is going to happen. Can I tell you this today that in your life and in my life, God often tells us to do things. And if you're anything like me, we tend to argue with God a little bit. Sometimes God will, will burden me for something, maybe to witness uh, to a coworker. Or God, will, uh, God will burden me to, uh, to go to pass out a, an invitation or to pass out a track. Maybe God will burden you or put something on your heart to uh, maybe give towards, uh, towards a special offering. Or uh, maybe God will, God, will, God will put on your heart to serve in a ministry at his church. Uh, God works on our hearts, and oftentimes, if you're anything like me, uh, I, I say, God, but, uh, but you don't know where I'm at. You don't know where my finances are. But the fact is, friend, can I tell you something? That God knows where you're at. If God is telling you to do something, God knows what is going to happen this past July. Uh, so currently, I, I've served for the past five years uh, in, a, in, a, in a church in a suburb of Houston, Texas. So for the past five years, I've served there, uh, I've worked for my dad, and now we're planning a church. We're being sent out of our home church to go plant a church downtown. So we're, we are just starting deputation. We started in, in July, traveling all the time. Uh, but we felt like we only live 30 or 40 minutes right now. We're going, to move, we're going to move down there. But right now, we live about 30 or 40 minutes away from where we want to start this new church. And uh, while we're there, I felt like, you know, I, for a long time, I thought that God maybe was going to send us to California. I praise the Lord that he didn't send us to California. Uh, so, but uh, for a long time, I thought, hey, maybe God was going to send us out there. Well, when God confirmed it in our hearts that we needed to start a church in Houston, uh, I thought, you know, if we were going to go on deputation and then start a church in California after we were done, really, we couldn't do anything to reach people in California while we're living in Houston, in a Houston suburb. But for us, in our specific context where we're at, we felt like, uh, hey, we only live 30 or 40 minutes away. We can drive there uh, and try to reach people where, we are, where we're at. So we, didn't, we felt like God didn't want us to wait. So we, we started praying about it, what, what we were supposed to do, and I felt like God wanted us to have a Bible study. So basically an evangelistic service uh, in Houston. And when we first talked about it, uh, me and my wife and another couple, that, another couple that's going to help us plant the church, uh, at first everyone was thinking that we were just going to try to meet one or two people and sit around at a coffee shop and uh, do a little Bible study there. In my mind, I was thinking, hey, we're going to have thousands of people at this thing. We're going to have hundreds of people show up for this evangelistic event. Uh, so not really thousands or hundreds. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. But I thought, hey, we're going to do everything we can to get as many people into a room as possible. 
So I found a community center that we could rent and, uh, and, and we started passing out flyers and invitations and we did social media ads. And, and honestly, there were several people that thought I was a little bit crazy. I was getting questions like, well, what are you going to do after this Bible study? I said, I don't know. I just know God wants us to do this Bible study. Uh, they're asking all, all kinds of different questions. Hey, this doesn't really make sense. You're about to start a deputation. And I didn't, I didn't really know, have any answers except for I knew from the Lord and I knew from his word that God wanted us to do this Bible study. We did not have one supporting church at the time, uh, and I was very aware of that. So we rented, we rented our facility, we ordered, we ordered tracks, we ordered uh, door hangers, we did some social media ads, and the total amount was way more than the money that I have. And I just remember one day I was, I was praying and I, I was talking to the Lord and I said, Lord, I know that church planning requires a little bit of sacrifice personally, and we're excited to do that, but you're calling us to take steps of faith. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it. And I've got to know that if you are calling us to do something, that you're going to be with us. So I just, I was in my time of prayer and I said, Lord, would you please, for, for, for this specific event, would you completely pay for it, not coming out of my pocket? Um, I said, so I, I put out my, I put my fleece out there, I guess. I just said, Lord, would you, would you pay for it? We booked, we booked the community center. We ordered the flyers. We, we, pay, we pay for everything, and it, it was a substantial amount of money. The next Sunday, after we booked it, after we ordered it, uh, we went to a church. Uh, we were with them for the day, and at the end of the day, the pastor came up to me, and he goes, hey, listen, we got uh, an above, an out-of-the-blue offering uh, that was a real blessing to our church, and the way that we feel about it is that when God blesses us, we want to be a blessing to others. So we want to give you a portion of this offering. So they gave us a love offering that completely paid, uh, pretty much exactly, completely paid for the Bible study. Frank, can I tell you this? Oh, by the way, we did the Bible study. We had 20 people from the neighborhood that showed up for the Bible study. And people were saying, hey, when's the next one? We have family, friends, neighbors that need to come and be a part. So we're, we're excited about what God is doing. But Frank, can I tell you this? That when God burdens your heart for something, when God works on your heart for something, whenever God tells you to do something and you say, hey, I, I just can't do that. I can't do that. I can't, I can't obey that because I don't have this or I, can't, or I don't have the ability to do that. Friend, if God calls you to do something, he knows where you're at. He knows the situation. We need to be like these disciples and obey the Lord. When God orchestrates a miracle, he orchestrates it through his omniscience. But I also notice that he orchestrates a miracle through his sovereignty. Let's continue reading in verse number four. It says, then they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met and they loose him and certain of them that stood there said unto them what do ye loosing the colt and they said unto them even as jesus had commanded and they let them go and they brought the colt to jesus so here's what happens jesus prophesies. jesus predicts hey this is what's going to happen go uh go get that donkey and this is how people are going to respond and then you say this and then you'll bring the donkey to me so the disciples, they go to the next town and they go find the donkey and uh, they take the donkey and people respond just like Jesus said they would respond. Hey, what are you doing with my ride? And the disciples, they answer just like Jesus told them to answer. And then they said, okay. Now, Frank, can I tell you this? In our little example of, of someone trying to take my car, if I was just like, oh, you know what? Yeah, the Lord says you should have my car. Please take it. Here's, here's the key. You know what? That would be a work of God. But can I tell you something? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter, I believe it's 29, that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord as rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. 
Can I tell you something? That God's still in the business of working in people's hearts. Aren't you thankful that he works in your heart? I'm thankful that God works in my heart. Whenever God tells us to do something, hey, he's working in people's hearts. Maybe you have a coworker who's, who's just hard, hard-hearted against the Lord. Uh, maybe you have a coworker who just, they don't seem interested in, in the Lord Jesus, but God has burdened your heart to reach out to them. Maybe God's burdened your heart to befriend them. Maybe God's burdened your heart to invite them uh, to church. And you say, but God, this person, this person hates you. This person is uh, the meanest guy at work. And uh, I can't, I can't do that. Friend, can I tell you something that when God burdens your heart for something, chances are he's working on other people's hearts as well. Here, Jesus told his disciples to go get a donkey, and then he was working uh, on other people's hearts to give that donkey. We were filming for our video that you'll see tonight in, in May, in the first week of May, and we went downtown, and we were doing our filming, and I was meeting people and talking to people, and we had really, we had wrapped up what, we were, what our goals were for that morning, and we were making our way back to the car where my wife and girls were. And uh, we're walking back to the car in and, and downtown Houston, and uh, this part, there was lots of homeless people laying. Uh, some of them were sleeping on the streets, on the sidewalk. Uh, the homeless people were walking around asking for different things. And uh, we're, walking, we're walking down the street, and all of a sudden, up ahead of us, there was this guy in uh, really a pretty nice suit. He's walking up ahead, and all of a sudden, it looked like he was going to step on a homeless person. And I was like, wow, welcome, welcome to downtown. Uh, so, uh, but he was a couple blocks ahead of us and, uh, he was there for a little while and we were starting to catch up to him. And I just caught the end of the conversation where he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry to interrupt your nap, but if you need anything, let me know. I hope you have a great day. So we're walking with him and that was, that was a little bit strange and we're walking with him for a block. And then Jason, the guy who was filming for me, uh, he was like, Hey man, that's a pretty nice suit. Can we get you in our video? And he said, no, uh, he's, uh, he's like, I don't like being on camera. So uh, it was like, okay, that's fine, a little bit awkward, but uh, to be expected. Well, we ended up walking together for another three blocks. So the longer that we're walking together after we just got rejected, uh, it's like whenever, whenever you ask a girl out and she rejects you, but then you see her all the time. Uh, so uh, so uh, we're, we're walking and, and uh, it's just getting more and more awkward. Uh, and then he just looks over and he's like, so what are you guys filming for anyways? So then I said, my name's David. I'm a church planner. I'm going to start a church a few blocks away from here. And then he just stops in his tracks and he's like, really? And then he starts asking a couple questions about it. And uh, then, then we got interrupted by, by, a homeless person, by another homeless person who was uh, going to talk to him. And come to find out, he treated it as his ministry to reach out to the homeless people uh, in the area where he works. Uh, so we got interrupted, and then a couple weeks later, we had lunch together, and then he told me this. We're sitting at lunch. I had told him our story, where we were at, and we, we got to know each other a little bit. And then he said, you know, two years ago, I teach a Sunday school class at my church. And two years ago, I started teaching on the life of David. You know, whenever we go through the life of David, oftentimes when we're reading, we put ourselves, we put ourselves in the story. Uh, so I know that I do that. But he said, we put ourselves in the story. And then I came to uh, David and Jonathan. And I realized that, that God didn't want me to be the David in the, care, in the story. God wanted me to be the Jonathan, uh, that, that friend, that good friend who uh, he gave up his rights so that David could be king. Uh, Jonathan, who, who did everything that he could to help David. And, and, and he told me, Justin, he told me, uh, I felt like God wants me to be a Jonathan. So for the past two years, I've been praying, Lord, let me be a Jonathan. Let me be a friend to, to people and help them go further. God, give me a David that I can be a friend to. 
And then he said, six months ago, I was listening to uh, podcasts and messages online, and just everything that I was listening to was about church planting. Uh, so I started praying. I said, Lord, I don't know why you keep on bringing church planting uh, in, in front of me, but he, started, he said, I started praying for church planting. So for the past two years, I've been praying, Lord, let me be a Jonathan and give me a David. And for the past six months, I've been praying for church planting. And then I randomly meet you on a sidewalk in downtown Houston, and you say, hi, my name is David. I'm a church planter. <laughs> Can I tell you this? Justin, every single month since we met, he's given towards our church plant. A couple weeks ago, he introduced me to another pastor in Houston, and they're going to give us all the sound and light that we need for our church. Uh, he's introduced us uh, to several different people who, who I have some meetings whenever I get back that if God does what I think he may do, miraculous, miraculous things will happen. But can I tell you something? That whenever God worked in my heart to plant a church in downtown Houston, at the same time he was working in other people's hearts who would partner with us, who would help us get this church started. God wasn't just working in my heart. God was working in Justin's heart. And God was working in Jaden and Sarah's heart who are going to go help us start this church. And God is working in, in different people's hearts and lives to do his work. And when God burdens your heart for something, he's not working on your heart alone. He works through his sovereignty. We serve a powerful God. I notice here that God, when God orchestrates a miracle, he does it through his people. So, so for us, we need to decide. You need to decide, hey, I'm going to get on board with what God is doing. I'm going to get on board with what God is doing here. If you're not all in, decide to get all in because God is doing things here. When he orchestrates a miracle, he does it through his omniscience and through his sovereignty. So now let's quickly look at uh, the actions of this miracle, the actions of this miracle. Verse number, uh, in verse number four, it says, They went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. Certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye? Loosing the colt. And they said unto them, I love this. Notice this verse. Uh, in verse number six, it says, And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. Here's what happens. Jesus says, hey, go, go to the next town. And it just says, they go. And whenever they get questioned, it doesn't tell us, it doesn't give us, if you notice here in this passage, it doesn't say, this is what they said, and then says all the words that they said. It says, they said what Jesus said to say. So here's what they do. They immediately obey, and they exactly obey the Lord. Isn't that a great testimony? They immediately and exactly obey the Lord. Could I ask you this morning, are you obedient to the Lord in that way? Are you obedient to the Lord that whenever God speaks to your heart, when God works in your heart, in your life, that you're obedient to him immediately? There's no, there's no fighting with God. There's been too many times in my life where I've caused myself some trouble because I fought with God when he was working on my heart about something. Uh, Adrienne and I, we were talking about it this morning. Uh, didn't that get the Israelites in trouble whenever God was going to send them into the promised land? Uh, and they, they tried to fight with God, and that cost them 40 years in the wilderness because they wouldn't obey immediately. Uh, are you obedient to God immediately? Are you obedient to God exactly? Whatever God says, nothing, nothing less than what God tells us to do. Are you obedient to God in that way? Here, quickly, I want to give you really practically some ways that we can be obedient to the Lord, okay? Uh, really quickly, I'm just going to give this out to you. Okay, God speaks to us in different ways. 
All right, here's the ways that he speaks to us. Uh, he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Uh, and oftentimes he speaks to us, uh, he speaks to us through the preaching of his word. And he speaks to us through his word. Those are the primary ways that God speaks to our heart. And oftentimes through other people. So let's get this, let's be really practical for a minute. Whenever God is using your pastor to preach his word, and God starts working on your heart through the preaching, how do you respond to that? Do you respond, uh, whenever, whenever, whenever the preacher is preaching God's word, do you respond, okay, God, you, you told me to do this, uh, I repent of this sin. Uh, okay, God, I will, I will do this. Or do you fight God, oftentimes like I do, and say, ah, pastor's just getting, uh, pastor's just going off on another rant. Are you obedient to God's word in preaching? Are you obedient whenever God speaks to, you, to your heart through his word personally? Uh, whenever you spend time with the Lord personally, just, just you and God and his word and God speaks to your heart, are you obedient to that? Uh, when you're spending time in prayer and, and God speaks to your heart, are you obedient to him? Let's obey immediately. Let's obey exactly this. Uh, let's obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. Let's obey him when God challenges you to give out that track, to talk to that person. Let's be obedient to the Lord. And then finally, as we close this morning, I want to notice the beauty of this miracle. Here's the beauty of this miracle, because this is not a walking on the water miracle. This is not a feeding the 5,000 miracle. This isn't a Daniel in the lion's den kind of miracle. This is a miracle where God just says, hey, I want you to go do this, and they obey, and they bring back a donkey. So let's notice the beauty of this miracle. Here in verse number 7, it says, And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here is the beauty of this miracle. The beauty of this miracle is that God gets glory. God gets glory through this miracle. The disciples, they bring this donkey back to Jesus and, and, and they take off their coats and they put it on and Jesus rides into Jerusalem as Israel's king, as, as Jerusalem's king and the people are shouting, Hosanna, praise him. And we know that, that these people in one week, they're gonna be, these are the same people that are going to be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. But in Acts chapter number two, these same people look it up. Whenever Peter talks to them, he says, hey, you crucified him. You are the people who crucified him. And, and repent and believe. Hey, these same people who are shouting Hosanna now in one week, they're going to be shouting crucify him. And, and about a, a little more than a month later, they're going to be repenting and believing. Then thousands of people are going to be saved. And here's what's happening here. Jesus was orchestrating this miracle. Then he is getting glory through what is happening. People are shouting to the Lord. People are singing praises to the Lord because of what happened. Then can I tell you something, friend, that whenever you're obedient to God, whenever you're following the Lord, that you are bringing God glory through your life. What a wonderful thing to bring God glory through our lives, through our obedience. And Jesus is getting glorious. People are shouting, Hosanna in the highest. God is getting glory, but this is my favorite part here. The disciples played a part. The disciples played a part. Could you just imagine being one of those disciples, an unnamed disciple? Uh, let, uh, let's just imagine for a moment, this is a disciple that you've never heard of. This is a disciple that I've never heard of. And here are these two unnamed, unknown disciples that are bringing this donkey to Jesus. And then here they go and, and they take off their coat and they just put it on and they say, Hey, Lord, I, I want to give you my, my coat so you have a more comfortable ride into Jerusalem as king. 
uh, the disciples, they start cutting down, they start cutting down branches and they put it in the street as the donkey rides uh, so that Jesus will have a more comfortable ride as he comes into Jerusalem. Can you imagine being those disciples who are lining up the way, who are lining up the streets and saying, hey, everyone, let's come and praise the Lord Jesus as he rides into town as the king. And here are these disciples and they got to be a part of this miracle. And it's an amazing thing to me that, that, that I, a 27-year-old young man, a 27-year-old preacher, I'm, I'm still claiming that, that, I, that I'm a young preacher. Uh, so uh, that, that I, a nobody, would get to be a part of what God is doing in Houston. And God is working. God has put a burden in my heart. And God has put a burden on some other pastors' hearts in Houston to start church after church after church all over Houston, Texas. And I believe that God is going to do it. And it's not because I'm anything special. It's not because uh, my family's anything special. But God lets us be a part of it. And can I tell you something? That here in Pembroke Pines, however that name got there, God God wants you to do something for his honor and for his glory here. Uh, at the, before Sunday school started, we were, uh, some of us men, we were in the back talking. We were talking about uh, those stinking patriots uh, and how good they're going to look with the season starting. And, uh, and I was reminded of something that by the end of the year, I'll probably be reminded of again. And that I'm a Cowboys fan, uh, so... Hopefully that doesn't ruin everything already. Uh, but then I met a Packers fan. Uh, I met a Packers fan, and then he just looked at me with a big grin on his face, and he goes, I'm a Packers fan because the Packers have broken my heart over the past five years multiple times. Multiple times. They've ruined our dreams. Uh, and, and he took, wherever you are, he took great pride and joy in that. My teams, here's something that, I, that I've learned over my lifetime. My teams, of all the sports that I like, they will always break my heart. That's what I've learned. I, I, my team is just always going to lose. So, uh, twice in my life, twice in my life, my team has actually won. Uh, one time that my team won, it was, uh, if we have any basketball fans, I'm a Mavericks fan, a Dallas Mavericks fan. And in 2011, they beat, they beat my brother's favorite team, the Miami Heat. Uh, so, uh, they, they, uh, the Mavericks won the championship. And it was a beautiful moment as I rubbed it in my brother's face. And I just remember that day whenever they held up the trophy and uh, that beautiful trophy and uh, there they were, they were celebrating. That was the one time that my team won. The other time that my team won was in 2010 when the Maranatha Baptist Academy Patriots won the Arkansas Christian School Association State Championship Trophy in basketball. So over here, uh, the, my team won the big, beautiful silver trophy or whatever it is, uh, the big, beautiful trophy. And then uh, there was a time that my 2010 team won our plastic chipped paint uh, bent 2010 trophy that probably cost like three bucks. And they handed it to us and we celebrated and we jumped up and down and we were excited about it. If we were to go around the room today and we were to say, okay, everybody, you have a choice. We're going to go one by one and you get a choice you get to pick to take home with you uh, and have uh, or sell or do whatever you want with it. You have a choice. You can either have the NBA championship trophy, the big, uh, I don't know how much it's worth, but worth thousands upon thousands of dollars. Or you can have my 2010 plastic trophy. And we were to go around the room and everybody was going to go around and we asked everybody, hey, which trophy would you pick? And everybody would come and pick the NBA trophy. 
And they say, hey, I'd take that home with me. And we go around, hey, I'd put that, I'd put that on my mantle. Hey, I, I'd put that in my man cave. If we have any Miami Heat fan in here, hey, I would, I would bring it back where it belongs. <laughs> and, and we all went around the room and everybody said, hey, I would take this, I would take this trophy. I'd take this NBA trophy. And we went around the room to everybody. I am confident that everyone would pick the big, fancy, expensive trophy until we got to me. And I'm not saying this fallaciously. Uh, I'm, I'm 100%, I'm being completely honest with you. If I had to pick, I think, I think that I would pick my trophy, my 2010 high school basketball trophy, and here's the reason why. For this trophy, I sat on a couch and I ate popcorn. For this trophy, I worked, I ran, I bled, I sweat, I cried for this trophy. For this trophy, I watched. For this trophy, I participated. For this trophy, uh, hey, this was pretty cool. For this trophy, it was, it was, it was my focus. And while this trophy, I, I love that trophy, this trophy would be my favorite. And I think I would pick it because I got to be a part of that. And my friend, can I tell you something that uh, I love uh, reading about miracles. I love hearing about other people's miracles. I, I love hearing what God's doing in different places around the country. But you know what is it most exciting to me? You know what I love the most? You know what is the most meaningful in my life? It is the miracles uh, that God does in and through my life. The, my favorite miracle is September 23rd, 2001, when a sinner, whenever I bowed in my parents' living room at, at our ugly green and burgundy couch, and I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus saved this sinner. I'm thankful for the day that God called uh, us to plant a church in Houston, and we went down there, and we had our first Bible study, and by God's grace, uh, some people showed up, and, and we got to preach the gospel, and some people uh, responded that I'm so thankful for the miracles that I get to see doing what God has called me to do, not because it is walking on the water, not because it is crossing the Red Sea, not because it's Daniel and the lion's end kind of a miracle, but it's a miracle that I got to be a part of. It's a miracle that I participated in. And Bible Baptist Church of Pembroke Pines, can I challenge you this morning here in Sunday school to obey the Lord Jesus Christ, to obey the Holy Spirit, and whatever he tells you to do, not because, uh, but for no other reason than that God is going to do the miraculous, and that you get to be a part of it, no matter what it looks like. Let's, let's look forward, let's anticipate, let's be excited about what God is doing right here and right now because you and I have an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. Like those two unnamed disciples watching God do miracles simply because they were obedient. Church, in our lives, let's listen for the Holy Spirit of God. God, what do you want me to do? I will obey you. And when we're obedient, God does the miraculous. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be obedient to you, to trust you, to live by faith because uh, you know what's going on in our lives, because you're working, uh, and because you can do the miraculous. Help us to be obedient to you in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.